Ready, uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. without destroying the vessel which surrounds them. It too is imperfect, but can be adjusted. Welcome to Altair 4, gentlemen. I am to transport you to the residence. If you do not speak English, I am at your disposal with 187 other languages along with their various dialects and sub-tongues. It all comes back to me now. I am not here to look for a job. I came to take you aboard the ship. This is imperative. Imperative indeed. Wild horses couldn't drag me aboard that ship. It is impossible to reason with you. Therefore, I must take you aboard by force. Stay away from me, you aeroplated armadera. I'm not going. I am sorry, but you must go. No, I mustn't. There is no time for playing games. You stay. I go. No following. Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side, as always, in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And on this episode of Planet 8, we're going to be doing a countdown of our top 10 robots of all time but we have a twofer tonight not just human sized robots but giant robots as well straight away we're going to kick it up to the satellite karen take it away all right thanks larry you get us going here so we'll start with our human or merely human-sized robots, <laughs> to make the distinction. Maybe we we'll should start. explain uh, how we came up with these lists for people who haven't heard our top ten stuff before. Well, 
it's a very complicated and precise process. It involves a lot of math. It involves AI and yeah. machine learning. Yes, but no robots were involved in the count. No robots were harmed in making these lists. <laughs> we all three of us came up with our own lists. And then through the process of dynamation, <laughs> the lists were combined, rearranged. A number of magical things were done. And then we came out with just one unified list of robots for each category, giant and not so giant. Because we are one big unified kind of podcast. That's right. Mm -hmm. We want to present a unified front. Viva Planet 8. That's right. And then so, yes, we have lists that reflect all of our interests and opinions. So with that being said, number 10 on our list of Planet 8's top 10 human or nearly human-sized robots, we have none other than the Vision. Yes, the Avenger, the Synthesoid Avenger, coming in at top, topping out at 10. Uh, this one was a pick of mine, uh, whether in comics form or the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, always been very fond of the Vision. Very interesting character. Able to do a lot of things, but always struggling with uh, his identity, like so many androids seem to. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Vision. Vision. <laughs> Vision comes in at number 10. Any gentlemen have any thoughts on that? Well, Vision is definitely a cool character. When I used to read the Avengers comics back in the day, that was kind of my lineup wasn't like Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk. You know, mine was like Vision and Scarlet Witch and Ant-Man and Wasp. And actually, it's probably Yellow Jacket at that point. And Wasp and uh, Wonder Man and Hawkeye. So, yeah, I was always always reading about the Vision, always a cool character. Absolutely. When I was a younger man, it was all about action and adventure. And now in my mid-50s, it's all about man tears. And WandaVision just really, oh, I, I mean, I love the Vision in the comics. I love the Vision in animation. Uh, in the MCU, but that WandaVision, I mean, it just, it sticks with me. What is, what is death but love persevering or, or sorrow or, oh my God, I can't say enough good things about the vision. Um, I'm looking forward to maybe some Marvel television program he'll show up in or, um, I'm not sure where he is in the comics. I've abstained from comics for a number of years now for various reasons, Young Avengers being chief among them. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, uh, we yeah. still have the, the white vision. Yeah, he's still around. flying around out there somewhere. Right. So, you know, and it's a multiverse now. So who knows? There may be a blue vision out there <laughs> and a red vision. <laughs> you know? But yeah. Vision is absolutely uh, noteworthy to be on our our Planet 8 Top 10 robot list. Or maybe there's more than one and you'll have double vision. 
(laughs) (laughs) Which we did in WandaVision for a minute. That's true. But anyway. All right. So moving on. Moving right along. Uh, Who's got nine? Bob or me? Uh, Well, I can... Well, why don't you go nine? We'll all talk about it because I don't know if you'll you'll know much about eight. So, I, yeah, I have vague recollection of, of eight, but nine jet jaguar. Ah, punch, punch, punch! And um, <laughs> a favorite, uh, you know, uh, before Star Wars, before Star Trek, for me, even before comic books, it was Godzilla, and you know, I've told this story many, many times as a little kid. I'd have my mom buy these socks for me and these little short pants, and I'd go running around like those little boys in the Godzilla movie. <laughs> Godzilla! Godzilla. <laughs> um, uh, it was very, very difficult to find um, Godzilla Bandai toys. You'd have to go out to Japantown um, and, and the books and such. But anyway, it was um, Creature Features where I saw um, it was Godzilla versus, um, help me out, Bob, the roach. Megalon. Megalon. That's when Jet Jaguar showed up, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the way he talked, just, me, 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 and Godzilla understood exactly what he was saying. He was like, okay. <laughs> and, you know, you know Jet, Jet Jaguar could go on either list because he started out as like a human-sized robot, but then he grew. Spoiler alert. That's right. We'll talk about that later. But (laughs) no, it was funny because when that movie came out in theaters, it actually had a theatrical release. Mm. Uh, I went to a movie theater in Daly City and uh, Bob Wilkins was there from Creature Features. And they actually had a drawing contest and I won the drawing contest. So... I went up there. I got a Godzilla versus Megalon T-shirt. I got mm. a button. They had like a button for each one, like Godzilla, Jet Jaguar, uh, Megalon, and Gigan. But I actually got Jet Jaguar, so I have the Jet Jaguar button. I still have it to this day. Nice. And then they had a four-page comic book for this thing, and it was done obviously. I think before they saw the movie. Because Godzilla was Godzilla, Megalon was Megalon, but Gigan was like Borodon, and uh, Jet Jaguar was Robot Man. (laughs) So uh, I still have that comic as well. But yeah, no, I always loved Jet Jaguar, Uh, loved the the smile and the dicky and everything else. And uh, I just, when I, I think when I first, a friend of mine had a Betamax video recorder. Oh, wow. And I brought a Betamax tape up to his house because Godzilla vs. Megalon was on that night. And I had him record Godzilla vs. Megalon for me. And I would like cue that tape up to the part where Jet Jaguar starts growing. And he walks up and just slugs Megalon. I would just cue up that part, watch it, the rest of the movie. And then... You know, back then you had to like hit the button so it all came up zeros. So Uh when I rewound it, it went right to that part. So next time I popped it in, I would just keep watching the movie from that part on. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I think the first time I saw 
that film was when I think it was NBC did a horrible uh, telecast of that where they they inserted a bunch of really goofy stuff. Well, it was uh, it was John Belushi in a Godzilla suit. Ah, yeah, it was really. And awful. they showed it in like a one hour slot, and they so they edited the movie so much that it would fit in a one hour slot with commercials and with Belushi. I, I didn't remember everything about it. I just remember even as being a kid thinking it was like really insulting. <laughs> it was really like bad. I didn't bad get that stuff. one recorded. I don't have that one, but I'll bet it's on YouTube somewhere. I mean, now I might enjoy it, but back then I was pretty serious about my monster movies. So I was, I was pretty unhappy about it. As I still am. <laughs> I'm going to be torturing my wife. After the podcast, she's going to talk to me, and I'm not going to answer. I'm just going to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on. I, guess, uh, I got the next one on the list. Yes, sir. Because I think I'm the only one that chose it. That is crazy. <laughs> but I chose it high enough that it made the list. And that's Eighth Man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was, it was great. It's Japan, it was Eighth Man. Here it was Eight Man. Or no, Japan was eight man. Here was eighth man, but uh, it is like a long lost TV show. I think mainly because the eighth man was a robot, and the scientists had made seven previously that none of them really worked out, and then the eighth man was like he was the one that uh, became the superhero and the star of the show, and his power would run out like in the middle of a battle. And since he had a human form, his energy capsules were disguised as cigarettes. <laughs> so every episode in the middle of a battle, he his power would run down, and he'd have to smoke a cigarette, and then he's strong again. Yeah, that's not working nowadays. Yeah, well, <laughs> luckily I got it on DVD, but... That's hilarious. Uh, Tobor, they called him Tobor the Eighth Man in, uh, in the American version. Tobor being a robot backwards. So, yeah, he was like a a reporter. And then uh, when trouble would arise, he would become eighth man, cigarettes and all. (laughs) (laughs) This was the 60s? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was black and white back in the mid-60s. Okay, that makes sense. Bob, who was the guy that had like the the wings and and he could fly had the purple suit i thought that was eight man no eight man was like well black and white but even in color he was like black and silver and but uh purple with wings oh we'll we'll, we'll talk off yeah. <laughs> you guys can't see bob's face but he looked inside like, hmm. of what are you talking about another oh. mystery to solve Hawkman, or Falcon, right? Yeah. Yeah, the dog. But that was Hanna-Barbera. Yeah, so, moving on. Moving on. Back to Walker. It's our first tie. So, coming in at 6-7, we have a tie between Nomad from Star Trek an Astro Boy. Yes, yes, yes. 
So, of course, I picked Nomad. <laughs> Why did you start off with Nomad? Well, I I love Nomad. Nomad may not seem like a typical robot. Error. 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 Sterilize. Must sterilize. <laughs> I, I just, I love the Changeling. I love that episode. I think it's just such a classic Star Trek premise. And of course, it was such a great premise. They recycled most of it for... Star Trek the motion picture. Right. Right. <laughs> well, let me ask you something. The nomad grew up. Do, do you find any resemblance or um, maybe an homage to Exterminate? The Daleks? Yeah. Error. I don't know if... if uh, not, not, the, not the actual nomad, but the, the error. Error, the, the way that right. they... I don't know. Maybe they were sterilize, exterminate. Were the Daleks um, a little bit earlier than that? Were they? Yeah, they three sixty four or something. I I'm not a Doctor Who. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. Anyway, sorry, but I mean, I think the yeah. whole the whole idea of you know we still have this idea of AI wanting to you know wipe out humanity, right? So. You know, Nomad comes along and once it's it's been conjoined, it was a space probe from Earth that accidentally conjoined with an artificial uh, artificial life or artificial intelligence from some other alien race. And there are two purposes kind of when it cross purposes. And so instead of, you know, seeking out life now, uh, Nomad thinks he has to find perfection and sterilize that which is not perfect. It's and it's just a great episode in you know seeing how our crew deals with it and Kirk managing to once again outwit a computer or a outwit an advanced intelligence. Yeah, an advanced intelligence, an AI, a robot, whatever you want to call it. I, I consider Nomad a robot in the sense that robot that Nomad can move around and is mobile. So it's kind of right on the edge, but it's right on the edge the same way, you know, R2-D2 can move around but doesn't have arms and legs. So He just kind so, of floats. Yeah. I just, he floats or if you have really, really good... Blu-ray, you can see occasionally a string. Um, <laughs> he moves around on wires. He has a wire. Somehow he put a wire up to the ceiling. But yeah, it's just a really cool little... Uh, it is. It's a good robot. story. Great episode. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Karen, I know you got a side project, but there were no violations of the Prime Directive in that episode? There were no violations by Captain Kirk or the crew of the Enterprise. So Prime Directive does not apply to robots. It does not apply to a single entity like that. There's no culture involved. So, yes, my project to vindicate Captain Kirk is ongoing. And we'll, uh, we'll see how that turns out in the next month or so. We should we should share your results with our Shatfest episode <laughs> if we ever get around to... What about Astro Boy? I know just a little about Astro Boy. See, I kind of rigged everything because I put Astro Boy as number one on my list because I knew that would at least get it somewhere on this list. Mm -hmm. You 
cheated. So I'm sure I'm the only person that picked Astro Boy. <laughs> but uh, next time I I should have put Tweaky as number one on my list. <laughs> it all started with Astro Boy. Astro Boy was the first manga in Japan. It was the first cartoon of its kind in Japan of TV. Mm. Uh, it was created by Osamu Tezuka. Osamu Tezuka also created like Kimba the White Lion and uh, a number of other characters, including someone who's on our uh, top 10 giant robot list, but we'll get to that later. But, uh, you know, Astro Boy, uh, classic. Astro Boy is kind of the Mickey Mouse of Japan, basically. Just like Osamu Tezuka, they always say he was the Disney of Japan. But uh, Astro Boy, he was uh, very early 60s, black and white cartoon. They made another version in 1980, another version in like 2003. And then there was an actual CG version, CGI version made over here. I saw that. Uh, I think that was 2013 or something, uh, mm-hmm. something like that. And uh, it was actually, I thought, really good. So I did pick Astro Boy. I grew up watching Astro Boy. I had a couple little Astro Boy toys here and there. I think I had some stickers. I mean, there wasn't a lot of merchandising back then. But uh, but Astro Boy, like I say, he's, uh, he's a classic character, and he launched Japanese animation. So if uh, you're watching any kind of anime today, you have Astro Boy to thank. Thank you, Astro Boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. Mighty, Next. oh yeah, Astro Boy or Mighty Adam or Tetsuan Adam in Japan. Mm-hmm. Very good. Next on the list, what are we at? Number five? Number five. One Very of my good. favorites mm-hmm. as portrayed by Yul Brenner. This is the gunslinger from the original film Westworld. Yes. Um, no matter what they did to stop this robot, he just kept going at it. And um, it's unfortunate that they weren't able to spend more time. I think the sequel, well, Peter Fonda was in the sequel, right? And they, they kind of went. Like, yeah. yeah, future world went in a different direction, and then mm-hmm. with the TV show, they kind of picked up on, you know, the idea of robots becoming aware of themselves. But anyway, um, man, just a, a great, great reveal when the face comes off, and and it's just robot face underneath. Um, yeah, if you guys haven't seen that movie, uh, do yourselves a favor and and check it out. Uh, you know, Yul uh, Brenner is just a favorite actor of mine as well, whether it's The King and I or, you know, whatnot. But uh, he really did a good job in this film portraying that that robot. And this is years before any kind of concept of a Terminator or anything. I was just going to say, you, you can see that he was sort of the predecessor of the Terminator because he was just so unstoppable. No right. matter what they did. He and, and and I guess you could also say, in some sense, he could be an inspiration for some of the slasher characters as well. Because yeah, I no, no matter what you do to him, he just keeps coming and coming. And and uh, yeah, he's a very terrifying character. 
in Westworld. And it's kind of funny because he's, I think, almost exactly in the same costume that Yul Brynner's character in The Magnificent Seven wears, a great Western, if you haven't seen yeah, that. Yeah. It's a, a fantastic Western. Um, but yeah, as a villain, just a terrifying villain. And I think you're, you're right about the costume. And, and the, speaking of the costume, one of the things that kind of stuck with me is when he'd come after you, he'd hold his belt buckle. And you'd hear the, the uh, spurs. spurs. Ching, 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 yeah. Jingle, jangle, jingle. Yeah. I mean, it was like spooky, but. Uh, it really was. It really was. Yeah. I, saw, I actually found the Blu ray a few years back. Really nice copy. And uh, watched it. Hadn't seen it. Yes. I did see it in the theater when it came out. <laughs> uh, and I hadn't seen it since until I got the Blu ray. And it was quite enjoyable. And of course, Magnificent Seven, which was based on the Seven Samurai. Samurai. Another mm-hmm. classic film. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, no, Yul Brynner. Yeah, he was, he was uh, the Dominator, I guess, rather than the Terminator, because <laughs> he hey, dominated that, that everything he was in. in that today. It does. No, it's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I know they made the new version, which I haven't had a chance to watch. But um, I don't know. Is it, does it stand up to the original? Well, let's talk about that for a quick second. The first season is is great. It's amazing. The music, the acting, the story. The second season, pretty interesting, kind of good. The third, well, you know, I should probably watch it again. It was pretty. But the fourth I have no idea what's going on. Or Well, I, I just finished the fourth season. I think the, the thing that's different, Bob, is Westworld series really focuses more on questions about things like consciousness and free will and reality. It doesn't... I mean, it, it's not, you know, action adventure It's much more about sort of like, you know, what is the difference between like the robots and the humans if the robots are self-aware? Or, you know, what's the difference? Or, or there's questions, a lot of questions about um, are we all sort of programmed in some way? You know, or or do we have free will? There's a there's a lot of interesting questions, but the thing is, it's sort of like watching the show sometimes. Like this last season, I felt like they had just spun me around, and I didn't know which way I was going after a while. There, there's there's elements of time travel, or is it mm-hmm. metaphysics? I don't know. Yeah. Um. It's interesting, but I don't always know. It, it what is. The hell's going on? <clears throat> Absolutely. And, I, and they get one more season and then uh, th- they say that'll be it. And where they're going to go with this next season, I have no idea, but I'll watch it. But let us continue with our list. Yes. We are now to number four. Danger. Danger. <laughs> you want to grab that one then, Bob? Oh, is this me? Okay. Of course, it's the B-9 robot from Lost in Space, which I would probably put on the top of any list, even though I didn't put it on the top of mine. But 
<laughs> but man, when when Lost in Space first came on TV, I was like five years old. So I was right in the wheelhouse. And it was like, forget Star Trek. I was all about Lost in Space. And the robot, what boy would not want that robot as his constant companion and friend? Unfortunately, Dr. Smith, I guess, comes along with it, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you blithering booty. Oh, the pain. The pain. But, yeah, no, um, I just love the Lost in Space robot. One of my favorites of all time. And just the unique design of it is just uh, amazing. Because it's, it's it's only slightly anthropomorphic. I mean, it has the arms, but then the, the legs are just sort of a column. Uh-huh. And there's really not a head. I mean, it's sort of like you see the, the voice sort of comes out of the chest, and you've got sort of that flattened bubble at the top. And that's kind of interesting that they didn't go for a more obvious head on the robot, you know? And yet it works, and it's so iconic. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't recall it ever really being duplicated, um, even with the movie Lost in Space or the, the Netflix series. The design, they just let it stay as as it was, a classic robot. And, and, and they referred to it in the series as robot. Yeah, they, yeah, they never said B9. Robot. That was kind of like after, but... Um... Yeah, Robert Kinoshita actually designed the robot. And it's amazing, just, you know, Bobby May was the, the, the short person in the robot suit. And uh, just the way that the top would spin around mm-hmm. and the arms would move back and forth. And then, you know, half the scenes he's rolling along and then other scenes are just shooting him from maybe like the thigh up. You can kind of see that he doesn't have the tracks on. He's walking the robot. But, uh, yeah, it was just amazing. In fact, uh, Robert Kinoshita also designed Robbie, Robbie, who's number three on our list. Number three on the list. Before we move to number three, I just want a quick plug. I know it's not the censor sweep. The Fantasy World of Irwin Allen by Jeff Bond. It's a huge book. Uh, our friends at Creature Features uh, Press uh, put this out. They have a couple of nice books that they've put out. Um, it had costed more more than $200 on eBay a, a year, year and a half ago. It's gone for like 40 bucks as of September 19th. If anybody wants to go into be, uh, eBay and grab it, I highly recommend you do. And the name of it again is? It is the fantasy worlds of Irwin Allen by Jeff Bond, and they cover everything that Irwin Allen did on TV as well as uh, movies. On to number four. No, three. Three. Sorry, we did four. B nine. Number three. Walker. You want? This one was not on my list, so I think one of you should take it. Okay. Uh, I'll jump back in. Robbie the Robot. Who would not want Robbie on their list? I had had other stuff going on. (laughs) 
I mean, you know, we, we've covered two parts of the holy robot trinity with with uh, the robot from Lost in Space and now uh, Robbie the robot. Um, I love that movie. Um, Forbidden Planet. Forbidden Planet. Thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, just a great, another uh, iconic design, uh, for a robot. Um, this looked more human than, you know, some of the other robots that we've, um, talked uh, about. Um, but just uh, the, the design, it was futuristic. Um, they, they reused that costume, I guess. Uh, there were people inside it. For television programs and other other movies and and such, which is unfortunate, um, but yeah, I'd I'd love to have a, a Robbie the robot. He can synthesize things and make things and protect you and carry you when you get tired. I mean, what's what's not the <laughs> like? <laughs> now, Robbie was an amazing creation, as you know, just like the B nine robot. And it was definitely a highlight of Forbidden Planet, I got to say. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He came back and was it The Invisible Boy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, I even saw his head, just his head, used as a prop in, like, The Man from Uncle. Aww. It, was, it wasn't even the head. It was, like, the dome because it didn't have yeah. all the mechanical stuff underneath. But, uh, but, I mean, both robots, you know, you've got – they both have domes in one shape or another. And then all the little mechanical things inside. Mm-hmm. Like with Robbie, you've got the little uh, like levers or whatever that go back and forth and click, click, click as he's talking. And he has the uh, the voice light, I guess you'd call it, where he talk, you know, as, as did the Blossom Space right. Robot. In fact, yeah. Robbie was in an episode of Lost in Space, War of the War Robots. Robots. Yes. So, yes. And the Twilight Zone. What more could you want? Both robots in one show. Dun, dun, dun. And brought back together in Planet 8, Top 10 Robots. That's right. Moving on. Number two. Number two. On the list. This time, we will kick it over to the satellite. Karen. <laughs> Well, I think this would finish a holy trinity of, of at least classic robots. From Absolutely. The day the Earth stood still. Mm-hmm. Gort. Gort. Talk about, I, I mean, it, such a simple design. Mm-hmm. Gort is, is pretty much smooth, just looks like solid metal. Just got the, the visor up top. You know, some lines here and there from looks sort of like gloves or bands around the wrists and stuff. But I think what makes Bort so impressive is his actions, its actions. Mm-hmm. You know, we all remember when the visor lifts up and that ray starts to glow. And then when he zaps, you know the rifles out of the hands of the soldiers, or he zaps away whole tanks and things like that. Um, You realize, you know, Gort is an incredibly powerful creature. And you 
even though you know most of the time he's just standing around doing nothing, he's he's a very ominous character. He's guarding, and he's a robot of very few words, if, if no words. Tattoo, <laughs> Barada, Nikto. Yeah. But what I was always amazed with, because, you know, obviously this is a movie done with practical effects, so you don't have CGI to clean anything up or anything. Do you know there was actually two Gort suits made for the movie? One had a zipper down the front. The other mm-hmm. had a zipper down the back. So depending on what angle you saw him at, the zipper was always away from the camera. Mm. So they didn't have to make like a fin on the back or any kind of like, you know, line going down the back to cover up the zipper because there wasn't any technically. So he always just looked, it looked like a totally seamless suit as he'd mm-hmm. walk around and and well, do and they- uh, his dastardly deeds for Klaatu. It matched the spaceship, too, because they uh-huh. tried to go with that seamless look. When the ramp comes out of the spaceship, you really, it looks like oh, yeah. it's just coming out of the side. And how is it doing that? It's, there's no mechanism or whatever. But, yeah, Gord is a really impressive character. And, you know, I think uh, for, like, doing so little makes such a st- strong impression. Absolutely. Definitely worthy of a top spot on our list. Yes, yes, indeed. Now, how did we want to announce the first robot on our list? Did we want to all on the count of three say it, or did Bob, Karen, you guys want to take it? How do you want to do this? Well, even though I do like this choice i didn't have him on my list dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so i will leave it to the two of you why don't you announce it commander well it is my pleasure distinct pleasure number one on the planet eight human size robot oh. list our friend and yours, well, no, actually, he will terminate you. He's not a friend. Unless you're a little boy named John Connor. Anyway, the Terminator. What an iconic classic design. Um, what a wonderful movie. Uh, at least the first and the second movie. Agent <laughs> Commander's uh, book. Agreed. Um, in in his, uh, you know, human, uh, what do you, I, I want to say, coding, you know, his facade, his mask, portrayed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, but it's a Stan Winston design, the actual robot. And, um, man, it just really, really is outstanding. It's iconic, memorable. Uh, I can't say enough uh, good things. Uh, Karen, Bob, chime in uh, if you like. Yeah, yes. it's really interesting because they essentially just give you a, a really scary metal skeleton who's going to chase you around. Um, but it's very, you know, it's very effective. And uh, as we see, like in the, the first film, as some of that flesh begins to be stripped off. It's very nightmarish, you know, it's the kind of thing that you, you know, 
goes to kind of a primal fear. And when he finally is stripped all the way down and he's still coming after you, you know, it's just like with the gunslinger, right? You have uh-huh. this fear of almost like a being pursued by death. I'll say one of the things, too, was, you know, as he gets shot up and he starts doing surgery on himself or starts, you know, chopping away the, the bits of flesh that aren't going to heal, it's almost like a horror mm-hmm. uh, film. I mean, if you've ever tried to, like, give yourself stitches or, or remove a, a thorn, it, it's very hard to do medical procedures on yourself, no matter how big or small. And so to see him inflicting, you know, that kind of um, pain, and it didn't even register as pain, and then the robot part started peeling away, it just really uh, had a a, a nightmare quality to it. Um, And then to see them full-blown as hunters, and only dogs can, you know, uh, um, sense them because they're, you know, not really human. I mean, it's just this wonderful um, villain and the beauty of the second film is they take that villain and make him into a hero of sorts, you know. Um, but then they give him an entirely different villain or antagonist. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And Robert and the, Patrick. Yeah, the T-1000. Um, but anyway. Which, which, you know, it's funny. The T-1000 was scary and what it could do. But it never scared me the same way that the T-800s did because exactly. it was just just metal. It was like a pool of metal that could reshape itself. Mm-hmm. But the T-800s, because they looked like a skeleton, basically, they had that immediate scare factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, again, iconic. Uh, my friends, uh, that is the conclusion of our normal size, human size, regular size top 10 Planet 8 robot list. Join us next week and we'll get into our giant robot. Just kidding. I promised <laughs> you a twofer. And you're going to get that twofer. Whether Warble. you like it or not. <laughs> you can always hit pause. That, that's right. Those of you that, that well, anyway. Um, let's go ahead. Who wants to start off with our giant robot list? I, I ended our regular size with the Terminator. Uh, Karen, Bob? Bob, Bob it is. I can go for number 10. You've got some explaining to do, Chief. Lucy, you've got some explaining (laughs) to do. We've got, in Japan, it was Tetsujin 28. And over here was Gigantor. So, yes, Gigantor. Gigantor sort of kicked off the uh, nice that it kicks off our list because Gigantor also kicked off the giant robot craze over in Japan. And uh, it was the first oh. the first giant robot and uh, came over here, like I say, as Gigantor. And it was basically controlled by Larry's favorite, a boy in shorts. <laughs> and it's it's a reoccurring theme. I mean, you know, it, it works. So. Over, over in America, he was known as Jimmy Sparks. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he controlled Gigantor. And uh, 
he had a briefcase basically that he would open up and it would have all the controls in the briefcase and he could control it. And he mainly fought other giant robots. It wasn't monsters or whatever. It was just robot on robot action. Um, <laughs> they did a remake in 1980, which had a really cool design. In fact, I just watched the, I have the DVD set and earlier this year I binged my way through it. A lot of fun. And uh, it was it was the interesting thing. It was created by Mitsuteru uh, Yokoyama, who also created the number one robot on our list. But we'll get to that later. Ooh, what could that be? So um, does somebody want to take number nine? Larry, you could take nine because I'm taking eight. Uh, number nine is one of my favorites. <laughs> he made it on both lists, Jet Jaguar, because as Bob explained, he turns into a giant robot and and fights Megalon and all the all the bad guys and helps Godzilla and they're shaking hands and you know sharing brewskis afterwards and. Having a good old time. Um, so yeah. yeah, we talked a lot about Jet Jaguar already, but um, no, I, he, I was. It's very cool that he's the only robot that made both lists. He he's did, special. and so I'm I'm very proud of him for doing that. Yes. <laughs> it, surprisingly, he's not the only robot that can change from large to small. But on this list, it's of note he made both. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and kick it up to the satellite. Walker, take it away. Well, I got another weirdly shaped robot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Psych Nomad wasn't shaped like a human being. My choice for number eight is Kronos from the 1957 film of the same name. This was a film that... Uh, I saw when I was a small child, not a large child, a small child. And (laughs) essentially, (laughs) it is a giant robot that was controlled by aliens, and it was sent here to absorb all our energy from our planet. So this weird thing, which looked like a big sort of a big box with, I'm not sure if it had like a sphere on top, but it had these these three legs on the bottom, and the legs were animated, and they would go, and it would move across the countryside, and it would go up to like power plants and stuff, and it would absorb all the, the power out of the, the power plants. And so people were panicking, what are we going to do? It's taking all of our energy. How can we stop it? And they would, you know shoot it with jets and stuff and nothing would work and i remember this because when i i saw this as a small child again not a large child small child <laughs> that was me i was the large child <laughs> i was watching it with my mom who enjoyed these films and and i said well why don't maybe they can give it too much energy and it maybe it will explode 
And that's essentially what happened. And she was so proud of me for coming up with that. So it's always stuck with me because that was the beginning of me trying to second guess every damn film I've ever watched. <laughs> Much to Larry's chagrin when we've gone to film school. Oh, I, yes. Yes, yes, indeed. So if there's ever any kind of alien invasion, Karen is going to save us all. I'll just say, well, why don't they get too much energy? And people will say, what are you talking about? It's not absorbing. And I'll go, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen Kronos, but it's been a long time since I've seen the film. But for a film from the 50s, it's actually pretty inventive the way they bring that robot to life. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool looking. I, I mean, I can't think of too many other things. I mean, I can't think of anything else that really looks like it. It was pretty yeah. neat. It, it always looked like a building to me. It does sort of look like a, a big building on weird legs. Yeah. 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 But, you know, interesting design, cool film. Uh, let's move along. Uh, what are we at? Number seven. It's our first tie on the giant list. That's right. Seven, six. Six so. and seven. Six and seven. Bob, why don't you take this one? Well, I'll let Karen take the one that she chose. (laughs) And I'll take the one that I chose and put number one on my list just to make sure that everyone could enjoy it on this episode. (laughs) And that is Mazinger Z. Created by Gonagai in the early 70s. Mazinger Z was... Basically, the first of the modern giant robots where you had a pilot inside the robot. In this case, he had the, uh, he had like a hovercraft that would lower down into the head of the robot. And, uh, it was just, just, it's just an amazing show. I think it was over here. I think they brought it over here as like Transor Z. But uh, recently they did a a Mazinger Z Infinity film, which came over here. And if you can look that out, look that up. Excellent. Excellent film. A lot of action. And Uh, uh, was he a uh, Shogun warrior? He well, Mm sort of, kind of. Sort of, kind (laughs) of. Mazinger Z was the original. Great Mazinga was the sequel. And Mm. that was one of the Shogun warriors. Mm. Shogun Wars it were uh, it was Mazinger Z another of my favorites Raiden uh, Get a Robo which was called Dragon um, Guy King and I believe Dangard Ace so uh, you know I had all those man I sold them off I, I regret it to this day mm. but uh, mm. yeah no it was great in fact if you can ever find Mazinger Z versus General Darkness, it is a classic. It also seg- gives you the segue between Mazinger Z and Great Mazinga. But uh, yeah, Mazinger Z would fight these uh, robots, but they were also monsters. They're kind of like hybrids of the two. And just amazing designs on the on the foes that he had to fight. And... Uh, and again, you know, he was kind of, you had this big wave of robots that started with Mazinger Z and went all the way up until about when you got to like Gundam. And then once you, because all these robots 
actually had like a personality to him. You get to Gundam, and that's when all the robots became just sort of tanks mm-hmm. with with uh, people piloting them or driving them. But uh, the classic period for me, anyway, was <laughs> from Mazinger Z up up until Gundam. The robot renaissance, if you will, listeners. That's right. The golden age of robots. Yes. And personalities and or young boys in shorts running around with watches and briefcases. <laughs> um, However, towards the end of that golden age, we had the one that's tied with Mazinger Z. Voltron. <laughs> Yes, Voltron was my pick. And that was the one I put at number one to make sure that it would get on the list. <laughs> <laughs> so we've all learned this trick now. It's all rigged. It's all rigged, I tells you. Well, Voltron, so I didn't grow up in the Bay Area and I didn't get to see all these amazing Japanese movies as a kid. The only one I got to see was one that we'll talk about later in the, uh, in the uh, lineup here. Um, but when I was, I guess it was probably like mid eighties, um, they started showing the Voltron cartoon and, uh, I would come home from class and I saw Voltron and I thought, oh, this is pretty cool. You know, it's like, oh, there's these robots and they're like lions, but then they all come together to form one big robot with like a sword. And it was like, this is, this is pretty freaking cool. So I, I really got into it and enjoyed it. And in fact, there was a, a hobby store that opened up and they had um, some like Voltron figures. And so I, I got into that. And then, like you said, Bob, then all this Gundam stuff came in and they all look like military yeah. robots. You know, it all went that direction. And I kind yeah. of... Voltron like, was eh. cool. They were the first part of Voltron was uh, Go Lion from Japan. And then I think they did a second season, or they extended the episodes or whatever, and used Dairiger 15, which was uh, like 15 robots that all combined, or 15 vehicles all combined into a big robot. But yes, uh, when everyone thinks favorite. of Voltron, they all think of Go Lion. Well, it was, it was cool, you know? I mean, hey, it was pretty. The colors were neat. <laughs> it yeah. looked good. I mean, now that was sort of like when the big wave of Japanese animation came over and we had like Voltron and Macro, well, Robotech and uh, Star Blazers and Battle of the Planets and all those. Uh, and there was a lot of, like I say, kind of secondary things that came over too. But yeah, it was great time to grow up. Well, I remember Karen trying to explain Voltron to me, and she's like, well, you know, Keikos, do you like robots? And I'm like, well, of course I, I like robots, Walker. Let me ask you this. Do you like lions? I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, lions are cool. She's like, do you like swords, giant swords? I'm like, yeah. Well, I got a show for you, buddy. <laughs> and, you know, Voltron – no, I'm, I'm kidding. We, we did not have that. This conversation never occurred. But – it could have. It, it actually could have. But but it sounds like a, a fun conversation that that could have happened and, and probably happened. should have. And I would have I would have put Voltron number one on my list too. <laughs> Didn't happen. Well, the thing too, one thing that did not make our lists, which I, yeah, looking back, I probably should have put somewhere, 
was Pacific Rim. And the Jaegers in the first Pacific Rim, those were basically influenced by the Gundam type robots. Mm-hmm. And then the second Pacific Rim, which a lot of people didn't quite get, well, that was the one that was based more on Mazinger Z and all the other Grandizer, Rydeen, and all those types of uh, shows. And uh, it was made more for the Pacific Rim made a lot of money in China, so it was kind of geared towards the Asian market, and that's why the robots became slimmer and able to move around more and quicker and everything else. And And, they had people uh, inside them. But that was, well, they all, so did the first ones, but... To a degree. um, Yeah, so anyway. No watches, though, no briefcases, but I digress. No No. No shorts. No shorts. (laughs) (laughs) You know, besides making the Jet Jaguar noise, <laughs> I love making the sound of this next giant robot. <laughs> and it was just... Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you can do better than that. <laughs> the faster it ran, the angrier it got, the more beeps would come out of Mechanicong. And in my layman terms, I was calling a Mecha Kong, but hey. I um, actually had to look it up because I thought it was Mecha Kong, too. And Mechanicong. I didn't realize it was Mechanicong. Mechanicong. And I do know for certain, though, he did fight Doctor Who. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Doctor Who was using him to fight the real Kong. So Yes. But not the Doctor Who you think of, listeners. No. But do you the, know what it was all based on? Um, a cartoon. The King Kong cartoon from the 60s, right. the Rankin-Bass King Kong cartoon. And there is an episode of that cartoon that has Doctor Who and Mechanicong in it. There you go. I, I so still enjoy go. King Kong Escapes. I actually got it on the, I don't know if it's DVD or Blu-ray, but I, I like that a lot. Well, then, that was you know, last year at our uh, Godzilla Fest, we had... Uh, we had King Kong crashes Godzilla Fest, and we had Linda Miller who starred in King mm-hmm. Kong Escapes, and uh, so of course we showed the film, and they had Mechanicongs everywhere, and a whole lot of fun. <laughs> well, Mechanicong looks great. Oh yeah. And they actually the the Kong in King Kong Escapes is much improved over that burn victim Kong that's in King Kong versus Godzilla. So. <laughs> you know, but also but the other excellent suit in that movie is Gorosaurus. Yes. So, but it's hard to go wrong if you have a gorilla or a robot. But when That's you have I'm a saying. robot gorilla, I mean, come on. Now, listeners, you see how my story about Voltron could have really took place. <laughs> do I know Walker or do I know Walker? You like monkeys? Yeah. You like robots? Yeah. Wait, this Mechanicong is, uh, and I, I would have been sold. So You're absolutely right, sir. Um, I think we'll let this go to Bob, number four. Man, I could, I could talk about either one of these. Yeah, you're infinitum. Three and four. We have a tie. Three and four. We have Goldar from Space Giants and 
the Iron Giant. So, my and guess God. who put Goldar number one on his list? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, Goldar made made my list, and as did the Iron Giant. But, um, but yeah, no. I, when I was talking about Astro Boy, and I said that Osamu Tezuka also created one of the robots on our giant robot list. Well, yes, Tesca also created Magma Taishi, also known as the Space Giants. So Goldar, Silvar, Gam, Nico, the whole gang. That Methuselah. was a creation of uh, Methuselah. That was a big uh, creation of Osamu Tezuka. Now, here's the thing, kids. I We made fun of the, the Voltron and then Karen was... Oh, the monkey and the, the look, robots and rockets. <laughs> I mean, you know, and you all know that I love the theme song to Battle of the Planets. But the theme song, the, the theme song to Space Giants. Oh, I, I, I can't even like echo it right now. Well, see, I, it's, it's not just, only. Were they robots and could change into rockets? Yes. But they lived in a volcano. With Methuselah. With Methuselah. <laughs> so you'd have Miko would like pull out the whistle, whistle once for Gam, twice for Silvar, three times for Goldar, and you'd see them come flying out of the top of the volcano, usually to stop Rodak. And, and sometimes and his it would monstrous be horrors. one. Sometimes it would be two, but when all three flew out of that ro- the, uh, volcano, ho ho! Your commander was just. Um, and then there was a time where Methuselah rode in Goldar to. Oh, I could go on and on, kids. Well, let me let um, me let me tell you though, two interesting things about space giants. Mm-hmm. One. It was the very first color TV show on Japanese TV. And it beat Ultraman to the punch by one week. Mm. And the other thing that was really interesting is, you know, for budgetary reasons, instead of having a different monster every episode, every every story arc would take like five episodes. Mm -hmm. So you'd have the same monster for like five episodes. So you'd have, you know, 52 or whatever episodes, but you wouldn't have 52 monsters. You'd have like 10, 10 or 11 different monsters. Saving money and labor and costs. See, to me, it was almost like Dark Shadows, like it was like a soap opera and they had these stories that yeah. carried through. See, because so we got to watch it daily. Yeah. Well, in Japan, it was weekly. So you'd have to wait a week between chapters of each story. Oh, man, I tell you, I, I got that thing on a uh, bootleg DVD um, years ago. I don't know if there's a legal <laughs> version of it no, out there. No, there's not, unfortunately. Yeah, but um, if you guys ever you know go to YouTube or whatever, that intro is just like, dun, 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 <laughs> like I'm a spy thing. Yeah, and then like a cowboy boot with spurs and uh, talk about, oh, <laughs> amazing. How cool can you get? Now, you, 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 good question, now, Bob. 
Because not only did you have robots turning into rockets and rockets turning into robots, but the youngest one, Goldar's and Silvar's son, had this cool helmet with these, like, antennae. Well, they all had antenna coming out. Yeah, but he had Goldar and Silvar came out of their heads, but yeah, Gam had the helmet, came out of the helmet. Oh, man. (laughs) And that whistle didn't make a toot-toot whistle sound. It was a very special whistle sound that could not be replicated (laughs) by the human mouth. It was a space robot rocket whistle. Oh, my God. This is the joy of youth coming, bubbling up to the surface here. I could not. I was waiting all night for Goldar, but not to take (laughs) away from the Iron Giant. Because noteworthy, I think that was um, Vin Diesel's first job in Hollywood and it was it was voicing the Iron Giant yeah he was the voice of the Iron Giant and Hogarth Hogarth friend following man tears no man tears for Goldar that's just pure excitement oh tell tell me you didn't have man tears when he's flying up into space yes Superman I did I did um and, and spoiler alert, with a little bolt rolling off the table that, oh, God. <laughs> a- anyway, I regret, I, I think it was Sideshow that actually had a uh, mock-up or a little statuette of that bolt. I should look for it and put it on the table next to Goldar's whistle. I don't have it, but my Iron Giant brother, Del Champagne Martinez, uh-huh. he has it. He's got this huge Iron Giant collection. Nice. But, uh, yeah, I have, a, I have like a shelf in the front room that I have all my Iron Giant stuff on. You know, they, they did have, it was, uh, God, who was it? It was um, the one company that made all like the Lost in Space toys and all that. Mm. They made a giant Iron Giant that's probably about two foot tall. And I should have bought it. Toys R Us had it. They had they were blowing it out for like nine ninety nine. Yep, big stacks of them. Yep, and it's for some stupid reason I didn't buy it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I found it at one of the San Jose toy shows. Hmm. And uh, so I finally did get it, and it is it is there, but. Uh, there's there's been Mondo's made some and there's been quite a few Mondo even made a uh, tiki mug of the Iron Giant mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Geeky Tiki made one as well your mission commander was fortunate enough to get one of those 999 Toys R Us he's over yonder by Gort on the yeah hold it r- out on me wall of fame <laughs> okay kids we're counting down Number two on the list. This one is not Mechana. This is actually Mecha Godzilla. One of your mission commander's favorites, no matter if it's the Heisei series or uh, they are just all cool. Even even the most recent one uh, on HBO Max, Legacy. Mecha Godzilla. 
it's a robot of Godzilla. <laughs> what more I mean, could you ask for? What more, you know? And it's so cool because in the 70s, I think it was um, uh, Bob, what was the one where he tore off his head and he had that big brain like thing underneath the dome? Well, let's say 1974 in Godzilla Mecha Mechagodzilla, that's how he defeated him by pulling the head off. Mm. So in Terror of Mechagodzilla, the second one, he pulls the head off and you see Mechagodzilla's brain in there and he's, he can still function. Yeah, without the head. Yeah. Um, you know, look, his fingers were rockets. His toes were rockets. I, I won't get, you know, weird. There was nothing else shooting off of him. But I remember Karen had a Mechagodzilla <laughs> model and his his uh, torso opened up, his belly opened up, and he had all these airplanes and stuff inside. You still got that, Karen? I've still got him around here somewhere, but somehow over the various moves, some of the parts have been lost because he uh -huh. used to have a little tank inside. Mm -hmm. He had a jet, like a, a SR-71 Blackbird that would launch out. And then he had little missiles that you could put in a little spring-loaded thing and, and they would launch. I, think, I don't know if it's, is it called Bull, Bullmark? Is yeah, Bullmark. Yeah, I think that was the maker of it. And it had sort of a... Um, pinkish green uh, paint job on the outside. Yeah, it was a um, funny so color. I've, I've lost a few of the, the colorings, but yeah, or the pieces, but yeah, you'd open them up and you'd shoot little missiles out. Oh, and he had a telescoping. This is what you're referring to. Yes, yes. <laughs> he had a thing that would telescope out from his midsection. Yes. <laughs> so, it was like bizarre placement, but you know. I got that at a San Diego Comic-Con in the 80s. Nice. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So, yeah, no, Mechagodzilla, 1974. And then uh, they had one, the Heisei series had a Mechagodzilla. Mm -hmm. The Millennium series had a Mechagodzilla, also known as Kiryu. And, and then Legendary had one. But, um, in fact, there was even a, Mech a Mechagodzilla in what movie? Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're right. Mechagodzilla was in that. Mm -hmm. And uh, then what else? You had like a Cybergodzilla in the, in the uh, Sony TriStar Godzilla cartoon. But yeah, no, Mechagodzilla always had a soft spot in my heart. Um, Keith Aiken and I did the audio commentary for Terror Mechagodzilla on the DVD. Uh, it came out from Sony and Classic Media. Um, but yeah, no, Mechagodzilla, really cool. Nice. Well, don't go anywhere, Chief, because you have the distinction of sharing with our listeners our number one pick. Did, we, did all three of us have us on their list? Not Robot. only did all three of us have it on our list, we all had it in the same spot on our lists. Well, well, well there you go. Just... Did, did we want to count to three and, and shout it out then? or how... Well, it depends on what you're going to call him. <laughs> Take <laughs> it away, Bob. <laughs> Take it away, Bob. <laughs> then, we, then we can say what we, what we call him. 
Giants Robo from Johnny Sacco and the and his flying robot. Johnny Sacco and his flying robot is what I know it as. When when I was growing up, we didn't get to see the I guess TV show version of it. We only got the movie version of it, mm-hmm. which was Voyage into Space, which recently came out on Blu-ray. Interesting. Yeah, so we got that. You know, it would come on once or twice a year, and I would be excited. Oh, that's the one with the giant robot that shoots the bullets out of his fingers. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a pharaoh, and you know, I was like, oh, yeah. So that was my limited exposure. That was my first exposure to any kind of giant robot. Giant yeah, it's robot. funny because the scene of him shooting the missiles out of his fingers, that was from, like, the first episode and the monster was actually in the water. John Robo was standing on the on land and shooting kind of downwards towards the monster. Mm-hmm. So then in all the other episodes, whether the monster was above him, below him, equal to him, he's always shooting downward at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they're guided missiles. Maybe. Well, you know, in any fight, you want to take out the knees. So, you know, hey. (laughs) And, of course, Johnny Sacco belonged to Unicorn, codenamed U7. Did they have the orange outfits? No, that was Ultraman, the science patrol. Okay. No, these were uh, kind of a light gray. Okay. But, um, yeah, they had the helmets and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it was a, and very, and you know, it wasn't violent for Japan, but for TV standards on this side of the ocean, it was pretty violent. Especially, I mean, you had Johnny Sacco and Mari, who was the uh, the girl in the in the group that was probably around the same age as Johnny Sacco, and they're getting shot at and kidnapped and beat up and everything else. So, hey, they're it spies. Classic. They it was the classic. So, kids, if you haven't seen Johnny Sacco and his giant robot, again, YouTube, uh, check the interwebs. It's a sight to be seen. I like the music, too. And the music, yeah. <laughs> like I say, well, Voyage, I Voyage into Space came out on Blu-ray not too long ago. Uh, Johnny Sacco was out from, I want to say, Shout Factory? I'm not hmm. sure. Hmm. And then uh, you can get all the episodes on, I think, Amazon Prime has it. Look, I'm not taking anything away from Mechagodzilla, Johnny Sacco, Iron Giant. And especially not Goldar. For the love of Christ, (laughs) someone needs to put out Space Giants on Blu-ray, you know, and a record album of all the theme music. But anyway, I digress. Um, Honorable mentions. Do we have honorable mentions? I know I had one. Yeah, go ahead. Tweaky from Buck Rogers. Um, the TV show and the movie did not age well. I've, I've watched <laughs> um, them recently. Uh, look, Johnny Sacco, um, uh, all these other, uh, you know, we're talking about the Westworld. Some of those have aged very, very well and still a lot of fun to watch. Um, Buck Rogers, not so much, but I just loved, again, for your mission commander, it's about the noises that the robots make. 
He's like your mission commander. He's of an age where he makes some noises sometimes himself, uncontrollable maybe, but but Tweaky going around beady beady beady. What the hell was beady beady beady? They never explained. And it was even worse when he's you know beady beady buck. Uh, why? You know. Well, didn't he also wear like the Doctor Theopolis on his chest? Yeah. Dr. Theopolis is one of the robot scientists, and why did they not give Dr. Theopolis a body of his own? <laughs> he never explained it. But, you know. It was kind of strange. They let the little robot carry around this incredibly important brain, basically. Yeah. And then, you know, after a while, Tweaky got to have lines. He wouldn't just go, beady, beady, beady. Well, what do you think about that, Buck? And I swear it was Mel Blanc who voiced <laughs> Tweaky. Um, I kid you not, because it's kind of like a, a Bugs Bunny Yosemite Sam kind of like voice for this robot. Um, anyway, but but he is very uh, endearing to me. My one regret is I didn't buy the the action figure when they first came out, and those suckers are like hundred bucks if you want to get one now. So. Yeah, some of those series in the 70s, early 80s Ridiculous. had, like, limited action figure lines. I know I watched Buck Rogers. I think it was because it was kind of like a cash-in on Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the Flash Gordon movie had come out, and they uh, decided to do Buck. But, um, yeah, I was never really too much into it, which is probably why... Tweaky didn't make my list. <laughs> uh, which one of you would like to share your uh, honorable mention next? Well, I was talking earlier about uh, Jaime, the robot. On That's Get true. Smart, played by Dick Goyer. Fun series, fun robot, a lot of good lines with Don <laughs> Adams. <laughs> Karen, you probably had some. I have a few on my list that I, I thought were interesting. Um, I almost included the the three robots, Huey, Dewey, and Louie from Silent Running. Um, I always thought they were really an interesting design. You know, they predated uh, R2-D2 and the other Star Wars bots, which as we discussed pre-show... None of us included any Star Wars droids on our list, which is kind of funny. Um, See, I didn't know if, if you guys thought the same I did, but I thought both of you would have them on. So I figured, well, I'll vote for some others. And then I guess none of us ended up voting for any. It, yeah. It's funny how that worked out. I, I kind of just went with my gut and <clears throat> sort of the things that really, I don't know, in made the most impression on me and I don't know for me the droids have never been the biggest thing from Star Wars uh, now further down I you know I made a longer list than what we had you know we each contributed some stuff to the list so I did have a, a couple of Star Wars droids further down but they weren't high on my list at all so but then again, weren't, weren't, weren't C-3PO and R2-D2 the only characters that were in all the movies Yeah, I think so. Yes. Yes, you're right. So there is an import an importance to uh, these characters. Absolutely. They have a through line. Yes. 
And probably R2-D2 is probably, should get more credit anyway for helping to, you know, keep the rebellion going. I agree. More than anybody else, probably. And let's not forget Herbie from the Fantastic Four. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. We don't want them kids setting themselves on fire. <laughs> Put a robot in there. There you go. See, for me, like I said, I, I tried to like pick robots from kind of different genres and things. Otherwise, I could have sat there all day doing Mazinga Z, Great Mazinga, Combattler V, Voltus V, Rydeen, Jig of Steel, Guy King, blah, blah, blah. It's just go on forever. But uh, what? what? You know, we were talking about Maximilian from, from the Black Hole, mm-hmm. the Daleks. Uh, I mean, they're... Yeah. You know, the Twilight Zone had some some cool robots as well, but, you know. And then it's sort of like that question we were talking about, you know, okay, no cyborgs. So there goes RoboCop. Yeah, and then I was thinking about the Robert Culp character in The Outer Limits, the demon well, with the glass hand. Too. It's like, is he really a cyborg or is he a robot? And I, I don't know, I couldn't figure it out, so I just said no. Well, Jazz was asking me why I didn't put Bigfoot from The Bionic Man. There you go. Yeah, I don't know if that was a robot or a cyborg. So, yeah. Some Maybe of these are like gray areas, but. <laughs> oh, what'd you say, Walker? Maybe we shouldn't be so picky with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, we could always do an Android episode, and we could always do a uh, cyborg episode, cyborg. and you know. Well, or just yeah, crap we, we like. We didn't include data. We discussed that before the show yeah. as well. Yeah, data's. <sighs> anyway, data. let us transition. Oh, Transformers. That was another one I thought about, but they don't have any special meaning to me. So More than Not- ACI. See, yeah. you know, I always explain that like when Transformers and GoBots were on, I was watching things like Mazinger Z and Grandizer and Rydeen. So I always considered Transformers and GoBots to be like the knockoffs. Uh, They're not the real ones. If we were 20 years older, we'd probably be talking, I mean, 20 years younger, we'd be talking about Transformers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. Not. Although I do like Optimus Prime Autobots Transform. Anyway, um, let us transition into our sensor suite. This episode, Chief has, Bob has the sensor suite. Take it away. Well, when I was at Creatures Con, I had uh, Michael Reagan came up to me and he said, Hey, you want one of our creature busts? It's like a one-third scale creature bus. It was like eight inches tall or so. And I had seen it on uh, on Facebook and that. And I said, sure, yeah, I'll take one. And uh, so these, this is really cool because it's two good friends that created this thing. The mold, the actual sculpture of the creature bust was Jeff Wenkel from Boutique who will hopefully be on a future episode of the show. Oh, yes. And it was painted by Michael Reagan. So it was cool. Two things. And uh, it's really it's sitting in my creature's 
creature corner down in the basement. I'll take some pictures of it and send them to Karen so she can post it with the uh, with the episode. And I believe these things were very limited, and I think they're all sold out. But I was, like I say, I was, I was lucky to get one. The Creature Corner, the legend of the Creature Corner is kind of far and wide. So every once in a while, someone will, hey, you want to get one of these for the Creature Corner? And I'll say, oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so I got a Creature from the Black Lagoon bust, which, uh, again, was from Jeff Winkle and Michael Reagan. Very cool. Uh, I've seen it. It, it does look amazing. Uh, Jeff does such great work. I mean, you name it, whether it's Star Wars, Kiki, uh, science fiction, monster, um, very, very talented. Oh, we got to get him to do like the Planet 8 uh, Space Ape. Oh, I like where you're going with that, Bob. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. A little Planet A logo in the background or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Ooh, yeah. Well, my friends, this was a lot of fun. Um, I hate saying more fun than I thought because I always think we're going to have a lot of fun. So it was right what I expected and a little bit more. Um, listeners. We're looking forward to getting into our favorite time of the year, the Halloween uh, time of the year. So uh, stay tuned. We'll have some some spooky episodes coming up that'll transition us into the holiday season. And and we're going to have a lot of fun and interesting episodes coming up. Uh, Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We have all that stuff set up there. YouTube. Um, Share with your friends. We appreciate you guys. Stay safe out there. Until we meet again, peace out. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet eight podcast we want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode we look forward to your input and opinions until next time this is planet eight signing off end transmission by george he's got it it is the end now giant robot into motion he's moving and at your command too Giant robot, please take us home to Tokyo now.
I'm going to forget all my built-in protective circuits and zap him. Just one zap. I'm sorry. Strike that. I repent. 